Amen. Let's pray. God, we uh, come before you so, so, Lord, thankful for our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word, we talk about Psalm uh, 101. Lord, would you um, help us to understand the freedom that we have, Lord? I pray that um, it would cause us to live for you with full abandon, Lord. We're just going for it here when, and recognizing that your grace and your spirit will continue to go with us. So, Lord, uh, teach us now. Uh, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. T- thanks a lot. You can take a seat. And uh, as you are doing that, you can turn to Psalm, 100, uh, Psalm 101. Psalm 101. We were in Psalm 100 last week, uh, but Psalm 101 uh, today. And uh, as you're getting uh, flipped over uh, to there, um, one of my favorite pastimes uh, is people watching. <laughs> you, ever, you ever do this? You ever watch people, you're sitting like in an airport or a mall or something, and you're just like, I mean, people are so interesting and weird, aren't they? They really are. Like, you ever watch, you ever sitting in your car and you look over at somebody in traffic and they're just like singing their guts out, right? Just giving her and like hands out and just screaming at the top of their lungs. I mean, it's, it's weird. Or like picking their nose or something like that. I mean, again, people, people are interesting. And I think, I think the reason, okay, I think the the reason that people uh, do these kinds of things is that they forget that they're not in private, right? They forget that they're very much in public and, and everyone can see what they're doing. And uh, they, they kind of lose sight of all of that. And I think if they realize that like my family and I were like dying laughing at them, um, they would probably um, kind of alter the way uh, that they're acting. I think that's uh, what would happen. And hey, there's this thing here. There's often a difference between how we act, how we behave in public versus how we behave uh, in private. I think that's probably true. Now, obviously, there's nothing morally wrong uh, with singing in the car, unless maybe you have a terrible voice or something, but, but, but sometimes there are things uh, of a moral nature, so right versus wrong, good versus evil, that kind of thing, um, that we would never dare do in public Uh, But we seem to be okay doing these things in private. You know, maybe it's for you, you know, how you talk to your spouse. You know, in public, when people are around, when people are watching, you're you're kind, right? You're you're, you're lovey-dovey. You know, it's that that sort of approach that you have. But when, when it's just the two of you, when it's, you know, within the safety of your own home, um, maybe you're cold, maybe you're harsh, maybe you're distant. Or perhaps it's with sexual purity, right? That's an obvious one uh, to point out. You know, we put a a good front on publicly, and maybe when people talk about sexual purity, you're like, yes, you know, and we we have our our pious face on, and we can talk a good game that this is so important, and we need to be be strong in this area. You know, but in private, we're like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? It's, It's not good. Well, our passage today is about integrity, It's about integrity, uh, which is about the kind of moral character uh, that we have as Christ followers. So are we the same people um, in private that we kind of cast ourselves or project ourselves uh, in public? You know, it's way easier to do the right thing when you know people are watching, isn't it? It's a lot harder to do the right thing when, when no one's watching, when it's just you and, and the Lord. Or another way of putting it, another way of looking at it is, are you the same person on the inside as you show yourself to be 
um, on the outside? Are you consistent? Right? Consistency is a good word here. Kind of no, matter, no matter where you are, no matter who's around, no matter what's going on in your life, I'm the same person whether people see me uh, or they don't. Okay, key question for us this morning is how's our integrity? How's your integrity? Okay, the Lord cares about this all-important area of life a big time. Okay, he really does. And so this is what we're going to be tackling here um, as we go through this. So hopefully you're in Psalm 101. I want you to follow along with me um, as I read this. Okay, it says this, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Okay, I read this, uh, this great line this week. I love this. It's, it says this, biblical integrity uh, is not just doing the right thing. It's a matter of having the right heart and allowing the person you are on the inside to match the person you are on the outside. And then I love this. This is how God is, and this is how people should be. Right? A, great, a great quote there for sure, and I love it. And, and what we see there is that, that integrity originates with God. It originates uh, with him. And it kind of reminds me of 1 Samuel uh, 15, 29. I'll just read it to you. It says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a man that he should change his mind. Okay, God is perfectly consistent in his integrity. He's never compromised that. He's never uh, fallen off the map in any of that. Um, he is perfect. And as his followers, which many of us are here uh, this morning, we are, are, are attempting to be like him, aren't we? We're growing towards Christ's likeness, and integrity is a big piece of that. And so you might be thinking, how do I get there? You know, how do I become a person uh, who is filled with uh, this integrity that the scriptures talk about? What does integrity look like? You know, how do I be a person or a church that is filled with this? Well, here's the first thing. If you've got uh, notes in front of you. By the way, just as a side note here, we hand out bulletins uh, every week uh, when you guys come in here, and inside is a, a sermon uh, insert, which gives you kind of the outline of the message, everything that you see on the screen, and that's to help you. That's just an aid for you to take notes as the Lord's kind of stirring things up in you. You can take it home. I know people that stick them in a binder, and they can go back and look through them and see what the Lord kind of chart their progress and their growth. It's something for you to, uh, so you have a, something to pray through uh, this weekend, or this week rather, um, but again, anyways, side note over. Okay, here we go. First thing. Okay, walking with integrity uh, means I'm committed to cultivating a heart that loves what's good. 
It means I'm committed. I'm committed to cultivating a heart that loves what's good. Verse 1, take a look at that now. As we work through this verse by verse, it says, I will, I will sing of the steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. You should underline that line. Key verse there. But hey, I don't know if you realized this or you picked up on it in the time that we read it, but 10 times in this passage, 10 times in Psalm 101, uh, you see the phrase, I will. I will. You see it 10 times, only eight verses. And so it's, it, it's in there and it's important. And what it does is it, is it shows us David, King David's um, fierce commitment uh, to integrity. He's like, I, I, I will work towards this, right? I, I, will, I will, by God's grace, be the person that you have called me to be, God. Like, I, I will do it. Come on, and again, no matter what time of day, no matter what issue is happening in my life, whether people are around or I'm in private, no matter what, so, hey, what's, what's your integrity, integrity or commitment to integrity uh, been like lately? Yeah, I think far too often, you know, somewhere within us, on some level, we, we desperately desire um, to, to be people who have strong character and, and strong morals and strong integrity. But I think our approach, rather than being committed to it and having a plan and going for it, I think we would rather sometimes just sort of accidentally stumble our way backwards into this commitment with, with very little effort on our part and just kind of hope it works out. You know, and, and if not, well, well, maybe, you know, next time I'll show stronger integrity, but I, I, I don't know, I, I guess. Right? Again, rather than, no, roll up our sleeves, put forth some concentrated effort, have, have, have a plan and, and some determination to invest in our spiritual growth in this area, to, to really to develop ourselves uh, in Christ, Okay, so again, notice the commitment all throughout this uh, as we read it. And I love David. He wants, he wants to cultivate this heart that, that loves purity and loves righteousness. It's what he longs for. It's, it's his goal. It's his aim. In verse 1, he says, that, you know, I'll sing, I'll sing of the love and justice. I'll sing of your love and justice. I will make music. He, he's, he's focusing on, on the goodness and the character of God, specifically with his, his love and, and how he is steadfast, how he's a God of justice. He's, he's focusing on, on those things. And, you know, he's doing that through song and, and music. He says, I, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Okay, so he's, he's thinking deeply. He's, he's considering all of the facts. He's observing all of the anger, uh, angles here. He's like, I, I want to make wise decisions. I, I, you know, I, I want to be careful about this. He's, he's thinking deeply. He doesn't want to compromise his integrity. He says, oh, when will you come to me? When will you come to me? I love that part maybe most because he's, he's concerned with, with just the Lord's presence, right? He wants God's presence in his life. He wants to be uh, close to him. He wants it desperately. He says, I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. So again, when he is all alone, when he's in private, he wants that consistency of, of character. He wants to be honorable. He, and, he, and he wants that to, to spring up, to, to well out from a, from a heart that's, 
that's genuine. He's not just trying to put on the mask and, and pretend. No, he's like, no, I, I want to really want this, Lord. So good. I mean, you see the desire here for what's good in, in David and, he, and, and, and his desire to, to cultivate that, to nurture that, to foster that in his heart, to love the things that the Lord loves. And he does it by continually putting himself in a good position for the Lord to move, for the Lord to uh, work in his life. He, you know, he, he worships, he, he ponders, he thinks about the things of God. He, he prays for that intimacy. He, he commits to having strong character, right? And he's, again, he's putting himself, he's like, Lord, just do this. This is what I want. Would you do it in me? Listen, some of us, uh, quite frankly, um, are too afraid to make commitments towards our integrity, or for many of us, it's yet another recommitment, right? We've done this so many times, time and time again. The reason that we're afraid of it is because we have a fear of failure, don't we? We have a fear of failure. You have this kind of nagging sense in the back of your mind, this, this whisper, or maybe for you, it's not even a whisper. It's like this loud screaming voice. You're just going to screw up again, man. You know, why, why take the step? Why make the, the commitment? You know, why, why bother? You know, you, know you, you, you sense within you your complete lack of, of ability to live up to the commitment. So why take a step forward when you kind of feel like, well, probably by later tonight, I'm going to take two, two steps backwards. Right? You feel like that? You don't want to be disappointed uh, by another one of your failures. Well, here's something that I know will encourage you uh, deeply. Ready for this? Of course you're a failure. Right? Like, no laughter with that. Tough crowd here today. <laughs> right? But of course, of course you're a failure. You know, isn't it so good to come to church sometimes? You're like, man, why didn't we, like, sleep in, you know, today? I got to come and hear this. I got to hear that, that I'm a failure. Well, you know how I know this? Because you're not Jesus, okay? You're not, neither am I. Like, we're, we're all there. We are all there. We're, we're all in the failure, uh, can't figure it out, slow to learn, keep messing up camp, right? That's all of us. That's our wheelhouse, right? That's where we live. Okay, David himself, who wrote this, he failed miserably. He failed miserably. It was like six weeks ago here. We talked about Psalm 51, and repentance, and coming to Christ, right? And, and we saw that, that he sinned with Bathsheba. He committed adultery. He got her pregnant. He had her husband killed. He tried to cover the entire thing up. It was, it was ugly what came out of him. And this is the guy that wrote this. Okay, listen, Jesus knows you fail, and he loves you anyways, right? He loves you and I passionately. I mean, that is the heart of the gospel, that is, that is it. God, God knows that we are broken. That's the entire reason that he came. He came to fix us. He came to give us his, his perfect record to cover, to wash out, to replace our broken record, our wrecked record, our failures. He came to be perfect for us. Do you realize that here today? Do you realize that Jesus died for you? to take away your record of sin, 
to cover over your failures, to begin to continue to work in you so that you don't carry the, 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 the nagging guilt, the, the nagging shame, the nagging sense, that, man, I'm, I'm a screw up. He's here to show you that, no, I have lived in, in your place. I have, I have pleased God for you. Do you realize that you can be on the beginning of that journey today if you would trust Jesus Christ as Savior? If you would realize that him going to the cross, paying the penalty for sin was for you, and that if you would admit your brokenness, if you would admit your sinfulness and ask him to be your Savior, you would know him forever. Right? That is the gospel. He came for sinners. He came for failures like you and like me. That's what he did. You know, and we don't have to just keep walking around carrying that sense of failure with us and and life as a Christ follower is coming to grips with the gospel in a deeper and deeper way. It's coming to understand that Jesus has done it all. Right? We sometimes, we understand this on a, on a head level and we know the truth and we could reverberate it, we could regurgitate it out, but do our hearts understand it? If you feel a sense of failure, do you understand that it's because you haven't applied the gospel deeply enough to your soul? You don't truly believe on a deep level that Jesus did it for you. And you feel like probably somewhere that, that you need to do it. I need to add to the works of Jesus. That's not the way it works. Your salvation is a gift of grace. You can't earn it. You can't make up for it. You can't add to it. None of that. It's a gift. It's a gift. Listen, making a a commitment or a recommitment to integrity is not to say, you know, okay, Lord, you know, from from here on, starting today, I'm going to have this perfect record of awesomeness in blank area of life. Okay, that's not what a commitment is. Okay, again, only Jesus has the perfect record of awesomeness. Like, only he's got it. And a commitment or a recommitment to integrity is to admit the totality of your brokenness and to invite Jesus and his perfection and his love and his grace into that, to meet you where you're at so that he can begin to get work done. Right, that's what it is. And the commitment that we, that we see these verses encourage us to do here is to, is to cultivate a heart that loves what's good. Are, are you doing that in, in your life? Are you cultivating a heart that loves Christ and that loves what, what he loves? Now understand, this is, this is going to take the rest of your lives, right? This is going to take, this is going to take time because you're, you're going to mess up. You're going to make lots of mistakes, you're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. You're going to do it. You know, and you're going to, hopefully, I would encourage you, don't get to the place where you're like willing to throw in the towel because you fail, because you can't do it. Of course you can't do it. That's the entire point. Jesus did it for you. He accomplished our salvation by grace through faith, he will also accomplish your commitment to integrity by grace through faith. That's what he does. Here's the second thing. Second thing, walking with integrity means I'm committed to guarding myself from all that's bad. Guarding myself uh, from all that's bad. Verse three, take a look. Verse three says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. It's pretty clear. But I, I hate the work of those who fall away. 
it shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far, uh, far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Okay, so this is kind of the other side of the, the same coin that we've been looking at today. You're, first of all, you want to cultivate a heart that loves good. Well, this is the flip side of that. I also want to guard myself from all that's bad. Integrity means we're going to guard ourselves from it. And so this really comes down to first being aware of what our sinful tendencies are. You know, if someone were to come to you and ask you, hey, what are, what are like your top four or five sins? Uh, we should be able to like readily list them off. And maybe you're like, man, I got like 50 I could list off. Or maybe for you, you're like, I don't know. I think I'm pretty good, <laughs> right? But we, we, sh- we should have an awareness uh, of some of the things that the Lord needs to do um, in our lives. And it becomes, it's all about being aware. That's, that's kind of the first thing. Um, we know that David, if we were to look at his life, well, what are his issues? Well, we know that um, he had a huge lust problem, right? He did. He had a lust problem. So to maintain his sexual purity, he writes this. And he says, I'm not going to put anything uh, worthless in front of my eyes. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to watch naked women bathe on the roof anymore. Right? Probably a pretty good plan for David. Right? It's what he did with Bathsheba. Okay, for us, though, it might be something like, you know what? I'm not going to go on the internet when I'm home alone. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to stare at that jogger when I drive by. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go out for lunch with that co-worker. Because you know what? The, the, the temptations, they're just, they're just too high. You know, and, and these these areas and this path that I'm headed towards just leads to eventual uh, destruction. Not worth it. Not going to go there. So hey, do you have a game plan for all of this? Do you have boundaries set in place uh, for your heart and for your uh, eyes and for your mind? You know, are, are you willing to protect yourself? Are you, are you willing to put up uh, guardrails in place so that, so that evil doesn't have a heyday in your life? Are you willing to do that? Are you doing it? Listen, our world and, and what's available out there to satisfy our, our sexual appetites, it's just so readily available. So that, so that not to have a plan in place to guard ourselves, to, to protect ourselves, is to, is to get swept away. I, I don't know how to put it any other way. Do you have a game plan? Are you protecting yourself? Are you protecting your spouse and, and your kids, your family? David says that a perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. He, what he's doing here is he's expressing his desire, as we see in Psalm 51 as well, uh, for a clean heart. Right? He says there, it created me a clean heart, O Lord. He wants to stay away from from sin. So if you're noticing here, you know what? I don't have that same kind of desire. I don't have that same kind of passion and drive that David has. I would say, pray for it. Right? Ask the Lord for it. You're like, well, I have, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm still not really seeing anything happen. Keep praying. Right? Keep, keep asking. Lean into the people God has given you in your life. Lean into your small groups. That's what they're there for, to support you and encourage you along in your walk with the Lord. And let me reiterate this. This is going to take some time for you to develop this heart that loves the Lord and this, and this desire to stay away from evil and, and wrong. I mean, that stuff, you notice that stuff is so deep in our hearts. And it takes a while for the Lord to unearth that in us and to humble us through that process. 
It's going to take some time to see that change that you're looking for. One of my concerns, one of my fears is that we're so often, so many of us are looking for the magic bullet. You know, I'm looking for that one thing that I'm going to do. Maybe it's coming and praying with the pastor after the service. The pastor prayed for me, therefore it's going to be better this week. Maybe not. You know, maybe it's going to take some time. Maybe you're like, well, I got into a small group and I've been there for like three months now and it's, it's still hard. Yeah, it is hard. The Lord doesn't promise that change happens quick. He doesn't promise that we're going to get it immediately. It's a slow process and a grind, and we need to be aware of that, and we need to to understand it. Third thing. Third thing. Walking with integrity means I'm committed to avoiding those with destructive influences. Avoiding those with destructive influences. Check out verse 5. Verse 5 says this, okay, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. I will destroy. Like, I got to be honest, I, I read that this week and I kind of laughed. Because wouldn't it be hilarious? Like, how amazing would it be if this is how we talk to each other? You know, you're out just like grabbing a coffee in the atrium after the service and you hear like a little bit of gossip come up and you're just like, I will destroy you. <laughs> right? You are done. Right? <laughs> It's hilarious. But hey, it's also, it's very serious here. And, and keep in mind uh, the context, right? Keep in mind the context of this. David's, David's showing here his, his heart to take this seriously, um, this, this stuff, and staying away from those with a destructive influence. Um, but you have to also keep in mind that he was a king over a nation at a time where there was lots of war. Okay, there was lots of war, and there were people coming who literally tried to kill him and, and literally tried to wipe out his people. And he understood that, that, the, that God was trying to set apart a nation that he had chosen, uh, the Israelites, the Jews, to be set apart and pure for him. And so he's like, don't, don't interact with outside nations in a way that's going to corrupt you. So you have to understand, you have to read all of this through that uh, filter uh, here. Okay, but keep going. Keep going. He says, whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Now skip a verse. Jump down to verse 7. He says, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Now again, you might read this and you might, wow, that sounds a little over the top, David. Right, a little bit intense there, pal. Um, But believe it or not, this is the appropriate action. This is the appropriate reaction. He's like, I will avoid, like the plague, those who have destructive influences. He's like, I'm I'm not letting them in. I'm not letting them into my inner circle. I I won't let them spend significant time in my home, dwelling with them. I I refuse to let my integrity slide because I've been careless about who I've let into my life. Now, I used to talk with junior highs and senior highs and young adults a lot at Harvest Berry when I was on staff there, and uh, uh, students here uh, need to hear this uh, as well, um, but who you choose as your friends, they will make you or break you. They will. I have seen many great students who had a heart for Christ and, and, and families doing a good job and all of that get caught up in the wrong crowd, drift away. 
drift away. On the flip side, I've seen students, I've seen kids who could care less about the Lord. And once they got in with a good crowd, that started to develop and they started to grow. Hey, I'm not being dramatic here about all of this. This is, this is what the scriptures say. Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Heard that one before. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Okay, I know parents are like, yeah, kid, listen, right? Listen to this. Hey, it's for you too. It's for adults as well. You know, who are the people that you allow into your life, into your uh, inner circle? You know, who are the people that you go to for advice and wisdom, word of encouragement? You know, who do you allow to, to speak into your life? Now, I'm going to be perfectly clear about all of this, okay? Because I don't want to swing, the pendulum to swing so far the other way, all right? Because this is not to say that we should not rub shoulders with those who don't know Christ, Okay, we need to do that. It's not, it's not permission for us to retreat back into our warm, safe cocoons of Christianity where we never have any impact or any reach uh, out into a lost world or interact with people who need Christ. Okay, Jesus, what did he do? He boldly inserted himself uh, into the lives of broken and messy and, and shady individuals and characters. And we need to do likewise for the sake of the gospel, uh, for the sake of uh, evangelism and reaching a lost world, right? We're supposed to have a strong influence on the lost. Okay, what, what this is, this is a call to avoid those who have a negative or destructive influence on you. Okay, that's what this is. Okay, so a question then. Question then. You know, are, are there some boundaries that you need to be drawing around yourself? or around your kids and your family. You know, it might come in the form of not letting your kids hang out with certain people, making it really difficult for them to do that. For sure, it's easier when they're younger than when they're older. Do you do that? You know, it might come in the form of avoiding certain types of media. Maybe it's certain movies. I'm not, I'm not going to allow myself and my family to watch those because of the influence that they have on us and our thinking and our actions. Maybe it's, it's the music that you listen to, your kids listen to. Maybe it's online activity of, of some kind. You know, these kind of things that are sowing seeds that will lead to destruction later. Your integrity, your family's integrity, it depends on it. It depends on it. So hey, give careful thought to these things. Don't just dismiss it. Don't just be like, yeah, you know what? I'll think about that later. No, think about it now. Have family discussions and, and conversations around these things. Talk about it when you eat a meal. If your kid ever asks a question about like anything about the Bible or God, a pounce on that opportunity. You know, do it. Last thing. Last thing. Walking with integrity means I'm committed to surrounding myself with godly influences. Godly influences. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. 
Okay, what's clear from this verse here is that that David's looking for a certain type of person he's going to allow into his life. It's the kind of person that he'd be willing to dwell with, live with, enjoy community with, all of that uh, type uh, of thing. It's the kind of person he would spend uh, lots of significant time with, enjoy the company of, the kind of person he would give an ear to and accept or welcome advice and wisdom and input from. So hey, who are the people in your life that you allow in? You know, we got to ask ourselves, who are are the kinds of people that influence me? Now, I think it's easy for us to think when we we become adults that we're not influenced by other people. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Peer pressure, all of that kind of stuff. It's not just for, you know, 12-year-old kids, 18-year-old kids. It's for for everybody. So who are you letting in? Are, are Are they godly? Are they godly? Are they, are they for me? Are they cheering me on? Are they pressing me towards Jesus and, and willing to challenge me and encourage me? Do they care about my spiritual health? You know, are they pursuing Jesus themselves? You know, do they care about their own walk? Do they have the same kind of values and pursuit that I do? Right, these are the, the kinds of people that we need in our lives so badly, so badly because they, they help us along the path towards Christ-like integrity. They push us towards it. And I would really encourage you to set the bar high in this area. Now, the example that I'll give you is uh, myself. When I was uh, a kid, when I was a teenager and kind of growing up, uh, essentially, I think all of my friends, or at least most of my friends, uh, were Christians. You know, and, and that was a huge blessing for me, for sure. And it, and it protected me from a lot, and, and, uh, and it was really good. I absolutely had that uh, going for me. You know, but as I look back on that, and I look back on how I conducted myself and how my friends did, I've realized that my friends and I could not have been more lukewarm. We were so lukewarm. Our, our, our bar that we were striving for was not godliness. It was mediocrity. You know, for us... You know, we, we kind of had the badge of Christianity. We went to church. We went to youth group. But we were the kind of people that, that tried to toe the line of sin. Right? I'm, I'm trying to get as close to that as I can while still looking like a Christian and hoping that I don't cross over the line. Well, what happens is you inevitably cross over the line. And I think if you back it up even more, it reveals a heart that does not love the things that God loves. It's not a heart that's pursuing godliness. Right? And all of that, living like that, and because of myself, I'm not blaming all my friends. Listen, I'm blaming myself. I'm owning it. But all of us, and our, as my friends, we were, we were in it together. And what it did was it gave, it gave me a real false sense of security in how I was doing spiritually. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not as bad as them. Right? I compared myself to people. I wasn't comparing myself to Jesus and his spotless record. That wasn't humbling me and causing me to cry out for help. Right? It, it, it led to a disturbingly high level of self-righteousness. It was bad. Again, I share that for two reasons. First of all, consider very carefully, again, the types of people that you allow in. Again, do they love the Lord? Are they passionate about him? Are they godly? Do they have integrity? Or are they trying to convince you, overtly or not, to, to compromise that? what does it really matter? Who cares? Do they contribute to this overall place of just, 
right? Mediocrity, lukewarm. I'm coming to church and I'm in a small group and my Bible is ice cold and collecting dust, but, you know, I put on the pious face and I've got, you know, I've got the mask on and I look like I'm, I've got it all together. And part of it maybe is because of the crew that you're with. Okay, second thing, consider the type of person that you are in the lives of others, right? Are you that godly friend that they need? Are you that person? Are you pushing them? Are you encouraging them towards Christ-likeness, towards stronger integrity? Or do you kind of help them just sort of prop up which it, well, it's nothing more than just you know, a flimsy appearance of integrity and godliness? David wrote Psalm 101 because integrity was the goal that he was striving after. Okay, he, he was going after that. He knew that he wasn't perfect. His, his, his record was, was clear for everyone to see as the king. Everyone knew his mess-ups. But he was going for it. He was committed to it. Are you? Are you committed to this? What are the things, what are the areas in your life that you sense the Lord pressing you on right now? Are you going to commit? Again, it's not, I'm committing in my own strength to be perfect. That's not what it is. I'm, Lord, I, I don't know how to do this. I need you. I need your strength. I need your grace. That's humility. That's amazing. That's what the Lord will bless. That's what he will help you with. What is it for you as an, as an individual here? Okay, but I don't want us to miss this as well. And that this, this psalm was written uh, for the nation of Israel. And it would have been sung, it would have been prayed by them as they as a nation as a whole were, were committed to this. They were driving towards this. Okay, so the question is for us, is this what we're committed to here as Harvest Newmarket? Do we want to be, have, uh, be people of strong integrity? Do we want to be a church of integrity? That when people hear about us, when we have our reputation goes before us, they're like, man, those people are the same on the outside that they're this, uh, they are on the inside. Like, I, I know them. I've, I've heard about their good works. The Lord is blessing them. It's a great place that I can go and gossip's not tolerated. It, it, it's a place that I can go and be real and honest about my failures and be, be real and honest about my sin. I'm not going to be judged and, and looked down on and cast aside for all that. I'm welcomed in. We're all on the same team. We're broken. Jesus redeemed us. He's still doing it. Are we a church that loves integrity? It's a big challenge, isn't it? We need to, to, to realize, make no mistake, that this is exactly what God wants us to be. It's what he wants us to be. It's not an option. He's not like, hey, if you feel like it, if you've got some time, maybe think about this. No, it's like, this is, go for it. Go for it. A commitment to be filled with integrity. Again, to be the same at home as we are here pray. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. God, we know that, you know, if we're honest here this morning, that we fall woefully short of, of your perfect standard, Lord. We know that we are broken. We know that we are a fallen. God, I pray that we wouldn't 
be overwhelmed in a bad way by that. But Lord, I pray that, that being broken about it would drive us to you, who is perfect, who is perfectly filled with integrity, who is perfectly good. Your love is steadfast, and you continue to have that pointed in our direction. You continue to cover us with that, Lord. I pray that we would lean not on our record and the good we've done or the bad we've done and, and weighing that out like on scales. We would understand that, that, you have, that you have completely given us your perfect record, Lord, and that you look at us as you look at your son, Jesus. God, I pray that the, the truth of the gospel and our salvation that is by grace, Lord, unearned, undeserved, Lord, would propel us forward to wanting to be um, more like you, to wanting to be near you, to craving intimacy. Lord, turn our hearts today. Lord, again, we know that we are at your mercy. So would you do it, Lord? Would your presence, would your power be here in a big way, changing us, transforming us, Lord, encouraging us deeply? Would you do this? Lord, I pray that as we sing right now, as we respond, we would be so grateful for the cross. Lord, we'd be so thankful for your steadfast love and your goodness, your faithfulness to us. Lord, I pray that we would sing from our hearts with joy. It's to you we sing, Lord. It's to you we pray.